From the Colorado Business Roundtable studios in Denver, you're listening to the voice of the Colorado Business Roundtable, focusing on issues around business, policy, and education with leaders across local, national, and international communities, making a difference and driving business success. This is Connect and Collaborate on KDMT, Denver's Money Talk, 1690 AM. Connect and Collaborate. I'm Alex Hopkins, your on-air producer, and we are talking Workforce Development Month with none other than the Colorado Workforce Development Council. I have Lee Wheeler-Berliner here in studio with me. Uh, how are you, Lee? I am doing great, Alex. Thanks so much for having us today. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and you say us because there are, you've, we've got some great guests in studio. So tell me about your guests. We do. I am joined by three wonderful folks today. We have Joe Barella, who's the executive director with the Colorado Department of Labor and Employment. We have Jessica Volland, who is the director for the Northwest Workforce Area up in Northwest Colorado. And Kat Douglas, who is the director for Community and the Workforce Development Division of Jefferson County. So thank you all for joining us today. Great to be here. Thanks, Lee. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Uh, so, Lee, as you know, Workforce <coughs> Development Month. Um, we're just kicking it off. Correct. But I'm assuming you guys have been ramping up for this for a bit. Just a little bit. Okay. We start really preparing for Workforce Development Month in the summer, late May, early June, to think about what are the things that we want to promote. And so we're super excited that September is here. It's, you know, at the end of summer, the start of the school year, things are ramping up. And for Workforce Development Month, it's really a time to highlight the work that is happening through the public workforce system throughout the state of Colorado. There are more than 70 events that are taking place in local workforce areas. We're going to talk about some of those things and the services provided with Jessica and Kat today. So excited to jump into that. And, you know, as we look at the month ahead, we've identified themes for each of the different weeks. Oh, so here for the first week of September, the theme is around apprenticeships and how do organizations promote apprenticeships, helps employers, what that can look like, how can that go? And one thing I want to mention just connected to that piece, Alex, is that in November, we'll be celebrating National Apprenticeship Month. And the Workforce Development Council will be working with the Bell Commission and CareerWise Colorado, some of our great partners, to host an awards event focused on recognizing excellent apprentices, excellent companies that have apprenticeship programs, and champions of apprenticeships as well. And so folks can actually nominate um, candidates for those awards right now through the Colorado Workforce Development Council's website. So it's a great time to recognize people within your network who are pursuing apprenticeships or implementing those apprenticeships. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like apprenticeships, though we talk about them a lot on this, um, they're a little underappreciated. So that's awesome to know that you're awarding those people that are really putting in those extra miles and definitely providing that avenue. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the second week of September is focused on the education industry. We have a lot of needs to get more people employed as educators in our state to ensure that we have a good talent pipeline looking way out into the future. The third week will focus on the healthcare industry and the fourth week on energy. So I think some really good meaty themes, very relevant for the economy in Colorado. And, you know, today we had a really exciting event as well that I want Joe to share a little bit about, which was the signing of a new executive order. Yeah, thanks, Lee. I think very appropriate to, to happen on the first week of uh, Workforce Development Month, but Governor Polis signed an executive order creating the Office of Future of Work, and so really sets uh, the course for how Colorado thought leaders, state government, business and industry, as well as education and job seekers can really get on board to how we have to 
both look at the challenges that the future will bring because of automation, digitalization, maybe some elimination of some jobs, but also the tremendous opportunity that the future holds on what are those jobs that will be tech-enabled or that the tech sectors will come into non-tech industries and offer opportunities for job creation. And so how can Colorado best grasp what will what work will look like in the future, but also um, some of the things that are challenging for our gig economy workers and how can they benefit from growing opportunities but um, a, a benefit structure that doesn't support that work and so how can we as Colorado tackle that um, looking at how we pay workers and, and you know right now um, the department through our division of labor statistics uh, labor standards and statistics is working on our wage order and so how can we modernize our wage uh, rules in Colorado to fit what work looks like today and possibly look like in the future and so it gives us an opportunity as the governor said this morning we know there's a lot happening on the future of work in education in business and in industry um, in workforce development and so this office will kind of like uh, bring all those initiatives together and make sure that there's value and best practices, but making sure that we're we're moving uh, smartly and proactively with everything and in, in everyone involved. That is fantastic. And the future of work is, um, well, first of all, congratulations that that, that is now open uh, and that Governor Polis was on board, which he's been a huge advocate for education since he's gotten in office and mm -hmm. long before that as well. Um, but that is awesome to see. One of those things that, you know, you've got some great themes, healthcare and energy and education industries. Those are ones that are, are tough right now to get workers in. Um, but the future of work in general, we're looking at technology careers and mm -hmm. Absolutely. work that we can't even describe yet. Well, and we have so many people that are right now, you know, there's a lot of issues on, you know, our, our high school students and even younger that, you know, are learning skills that they don't even know if they'll be using them in five and 10 years out. And so really as an education system, are we focusing on, on the competencies and skills and employability of our learners versus a job? And so, you know, what are those that make people more universally um, talent of uh, that is uh, a cross-sector need and not just specifically for maybe an industry or an occupation that may be disappearing. Uh, a lot of work has been done on the logistics industry and the fear of technology driving, you know, uh, uh, self-driving trucks and what that's going to do to that industry and those occupations. Well, I think we need to say what are the tech-enabled skills that those people have and how do we repurpose those into either the logistics industry or outside that logistics industry as that uh, occupation and, and, and the employers in, in that sector evolve. And so, you know, there will be a little bit of disruption, but what are the opportunities that the, with the skills they have or maybe an upskilling opportunity to keep them engaged in some type of meaningful and good paying uh, jobs? Absolutely. I, I think a lot of times that, that when you're in the workforce, um, companies can definitely <coughs> like teach hard, course, hard skills. Those soft skills are, are one of those areas that we definitely need to start focusing on younger and younger, I think. Definitely. There are yeah. essential skills that our educational system has identified. The Colorado Department of Education has defined these essential skills that really everybody needs to be learning as they go through that process to ensure that they're ready to be employed and to enter into the world of work. And we'll, we'll dig into the future of work a little yes. bit more in the second half of our segment. <laughs> I, I want to make sure our, our listeners have a chance to understand who our guests are and kind of what they do on their daily basis. We so got real into it. <laughs> Joe, obviously the future of work is really big. There's a lot of things there. What are some other details about your role with Colorado Department? of Labor and Employment. 
You know, I, I think um, being on the job just over eight months with Governor Polis, you know, really understanding how intimately we involved with someone's career lifespan. And so the Department of Labor really works with as young people are thinking about education related to employment opportunities or a job at the end of that. So career connected education to someone who's dislocated because of a downsizing or a company closing, how we can support them with um, wage loss and help them get reattached to employment quickly through our unemployment insurance division, um, someone who may be um, injured uh, on the job and need uh, wage uh, subsidies through our workers' comp program, and uh, trying to get to maximum medical improvement and back to work as quickly as possible, to our mid-career professionals who are dislocated and because maybe they haven't had interventions or upskilling since they uh, went through high school or a training program when they were in their 20s, and now they're 40 and realize that they need to, to get some type of strategic upskilling and so using our workforce centers to look at what are good strategic wise investments in skills that will be meaningful when you're complete when you complete and maybe have an industry recognized certificate that your chances of being employed are much better than maybe just taking the the easiest thing or something that you hear about on TV but what's the strategy and, and the interest and the chance of success that is corrected to employment or at least employability at the end of it um, and so um, that's probably how we uh, work with the entire life uh, or career lifespan of an individual and, and, and the business community is so critical to that and so we have to have our ears open to what are they looking for what are their needs uh, as business and industry look at technology investments over uh, the next five or ten years are they at the same time looking at workforce strategies that match that technology or that can work with that technology so that's where our local workforce boards and local workforce centers are really at the cutting edge of trying to make sure that the limited investments they can make um, are strategically put towards someone's employability but also if we can't make an investment because maybe it's in an industry that we don't see as growing or in demand here are the resources for you to do that on your own because I think there has to be a passion and an interest in individuals for what they want to do and sometimes we're not the perfect uh, opportunity to look at resources for that but doesn't mean they can't pursue those on their own and so we need to give them options through our higher education system or our training provider programs to do that um, but maybe just not through the publicly funded workforce system yeah Absolutely. Great. And so we have Kat and Jessica, who are both local workforce directors. Kat, let's start with you. Can you share a bit about your work at Jeffco and what your role as a workforce director entails? So in Jefferson County, we actually serve Gilpin and Clear Creek County also. Um, I would say my first role is to serve our employees and ensure that they have all the tools and resources available to support our business community and our job seeker community. I think secondarily, it's to convene our partners and to support opportunities for collaboration amongst all of the stakeholders within everything that Joe's talked about. It takes education, it takes business, it takes community to work together uh, to support the future of work and current work. So um, that is a little bit about my role. Okay, great. And Jessica, um, how about you? Can you share a little bit about your organization and what your role looks like in Northwest Colorado? Yeah, my role's like cats, only with a lot more drive time, <laughs> I think. Um, I've got a 10-county area that's about 20,000 square miles, um, and my region is part of um, what we call the Rural Workforce Consortium, which includes 51 of Colorado's 64 counties. It's a huge chunk of the state, um, and what we all have in common is that we're rural. Um, so, you know, that's a, it's a big area to cover. It's really fun because there's so much diversity across 10 different counties and, you know, different labor sheds and 
different types of industry. Um, and I would echo what Kat said. I think if I had to distill my job into a nutshell, I would say it's just being um, a really great advocate for good jobs. And that includes for my staff, making sure that they feel um, connected to the mission of um, the state Department of Labor, which is who we fall underneath, um, an economy that's working for everyone in Colorado, that they're empowered to make that happen in their day-to-day. And then also connecting with partners and communities and economic developers and business and, um, you know, everyone else who's also invested in that same outcome across um, my 10 county neck of the woods. Okay, great. So I heard both of you talk about connecting resources, convening different partners, and, and bringing together players in the community. Can you tell us each a little bit more about the customers that you're serving? Who do you consider to be the customers who are coming through the doors? Kat? Um, so our customers are businesses and employers, certainly. Um, and a majority of our customer base, or the other half of it really, is job seekers, who can be all shapes and sizes, all demographics. We start at age 16 and up. Um, and so that's a really diverse group of people to serve, but the goal is to match talent to opportunity. Um, our businesses right now are really struggling with filling some of those high need positions, and that's a role that we can help play, but it does take working with those other stakeholders in order to make sure we're accessing all the available talent to meet those business needs. Okay, great. And Jessica, how about for you? What's different in your world? Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would say a lot of similarity to what Kat said. We work with employers and businesses of all shapes and sizes. Um, and then, you know, anyone who is looking for work or looking for better work, um, we have a, um, in our brick and mortar workforce centers are connected with job seekers, but we try really hard to be active in the business community as well. So, you know, that's participating in um, economic development boards and districts and sitting on chamber organizations and, you know, really any place that we can get in the room with people who are um, interested in where people are going to work and how work happens in the community, that's where we want to be. So um, because we're sort of dispersed, I've got um, nine offices sort of spread all over the place. We make a real concerted effort to try and put ourselves in the room wherever people are talking about workforce, which can be um, a little bit of a heavy lift just with the geographic territory, but we've got an awesome team. And so we really think of our, our, our key partners as the community as a whole, because without workforce, you don't have community. So it really is that broad. Great. So I was talking with somebody a couple weeks ago about this dynamic of workforce development and how there's lots of different resources that are out there, yet we still see gaps in employment and we know employers can't find the right people. And somebody might say, well, employers just need to post on such and such a site and that'll solve all their issues. And I hear those ads on the radio for companies that just you posted and it it does everything. Um, I'm curious to get you all's thoughts on what differentiates the public workforce system and the services that Workforce Center provides the business that are different than just job boards that um, companies can go make and get use of them. I feel like I want to let Jessica go first because I keep going first. (laughs) So Jessica, you want to go first, you're welcome to. (laughs) Okay, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, I think what differentiates us and the message that I often give when we're talking to employers about advertising their jobs through our um, workforce system is that we actually live here. Um, And that's really big. You know, I cover a lot of uh, resort communities and ski country, and there's not a ton of local locals, people who are in the community all year round who have grown up in that space and really understand the dynamic of the local labor market. Um, But my staff do. And that's our area of expertise. And so, you know, I think having that real personalized local level touch understanding of the system and all the dynamics at play when it comes to attracting talent. And then how do you keep those people once you find them? 
Um, we're resort-heavy economies, and so the revolving door is a major issue. Um, so having some local expertise and some insight in that space is really invaluable, and it makes us um, a really important player in the community when we're connecting with businesses. I think our value add is pretty significant. Yeah, and I think just to add on to that, I would echo that, but then I think we do the same with job seekers. We have a great opportunity to really get to know job seekers and understand them and understand their backgrounds. In a lot of cases, we're helping develop them. So when we're matching them to an opportunity and encouraging them to apply for opportunities that our businesses have, we know that this is a good fit, or we know that these 10 candidates all would be good fits, and it's up to the employer after we've matched them to work through their vetting process and determine who's the best fit. Um, and I think that's another benefit that job boards and, and those entities just aren't able to offer is a true vetting of the candidates that we're um, matching to those opportunities. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I would also add to, I think you know, one of the things that is special in the job seeker side is that once somebody does have their foot in the door of that job, if it doesn't feel like a fit or they're having a hard time with it, or maybe the employer feels like, oh, this isn't quite what I thought, we're also able to triage at that point too, which is definitely not something you're going to get from Indeed or from Monster. <laughs> Um, is if, you know, that fit isn't totally ideal and maybe there's some need there for um, some on-the-job training for that new person or they could use some coaching or some development, we can offer that as well. So it really is kind of seeing that hiring process through from the moment a job seeker or business walks in the door looking for someone all the way to the point where um, both entities feel like they've, they've landed in a good spot. Great. So what are a few of those items that are on the menu for businesses? When, when you say you offer services to businesses, what are a few of the examples of the services that you provide? For us, and every workforce center does it a little bit differently, but I think some of the core pieces is obviously getting jobs posted um, and connecting Colorado. That's a key piece. Um, but the other part is really customizing around understanding what a business needs are. What are those positions that are hard to fill? What have they struggled with and why? Um, and so on the hiring spectrum, it's really understanding all of that and guiding them and coaching them through that. Sometimes it can be a wage package and compensation package that without current labor market information, they're just not aware that their competitors are providing better packages. Sometimes it gets more into that recruitment phase um, or retention phase, and it's some of those culture issues in an org organization that they're not able to retain some of this quality talent. And so we're able to coach and advise on all of that as well. Okay, great. So, Joe, I want to come back to you. What is the state's role in supporting workforce development throughout Colorado? You know, you know I think I, I, I want to mention that you know, in Colorado, a good majority of the funds we receive are federal resources from the Department of Labor to do the work we do, both on the employer side as well as the job seeker side. I think we're here to support and make sure that, you know, there are some uh, compliance issues with those federal dollars that we have to make sure not, not only at the state level, but the local level that we're following through on those. And so, but also really providing technical assistance and maybe um, some leadership roles to say, you know, as we look to serve business and industries more on a uniform basis so you know we know talent knows no uh, county lines and so employers are recruiting talent from Denver County to work in Jefferson County and vice versa and uh, I was just up in northwest uh, Colorado and there are people from Craig going into Route County for work and vice versa and so the labor shed that workers and employers pull from I is bigger than just lo location of our workforce centers and so appreciating that we have to maybe have some uh, system or menu offers that we're not 
uh, duplicating services to business and industry so that when they go to Jefferson County um, serving the metropolitan area that they know they're getting a bigger reach and not just workers in Jefferson County that are looking for work but in the entire metro area and so what are those services that we can offer across the entire state system that um, XYZ employer can talk to Jessica and Steamboat and work with um, uh, CATS folks here in, Jeff in Jefferson County and it looks the same and that they don't have to duplicate the work or the, the effort to work with the Colorado Workforce Development System to recruit talent and so making sure that um, we're responsive and meeting the needs of customers and so supporting that training workers to be better at their jobs I think that's the state role uh, with insight from the local government but supporting that role. Um, I think also um, the council, the State Workforce Development Council is a representative uh, of business and industry from across the state that's really guiding what we need to be and how responsive to the, the demand side customer needs to be at the forefront, but also how are we uni uniformly serving job seekers, um, working with the most in need populations, but also working with uh, our business customers that have a need for low, middle, and high skill talent. And so as a public workforce system, how are we doing that? And so, you know, if the company needs uh, a, a senior manager to an entry level worker that we, they can use the public workforce system to access that talent. So I think um, at the local level, we have local workforce development boards and um, Kat and Jessica, I think we're always looking for businesses that would want to be a part of that advisory board from a business and industry looking and representing their their, their sector. So in Jefferson County, aerospace, advanced manufacturing, hospitality, logistics, um, you know, are there employers out there w that have time to represent their industry on the workforce development board where there is some insight and value that they can give CAD as an operator to focus on and meet the talent supply of that industry. And so I think we're always looking for the business community to be a part of our uh, solutions. Okay, great. Yeah. So Alex, I kind of started this segment talking about September being workforce development yeah. month and would just you know, I'm excited about it, but would love to hear from our guests kind of your views. So starting with Joe um, and then Kat and Jessica jump in. Um, why do you feel we celebrate Workforce Development Month and what do you all get excited about during this time? Well, we're open tw 12 months out of the year for Workforce <laughs> Development in Colorado, but we choose September because it's National Workforce Development Month. So it's our opportunity to make sure the public knows about us, those who have maybe not heard of a workforce center um, and are struggling out there uh, trying to, to make ends meet and looking for the opportunity to upskill and maybe a career path that will lead to a, a better job employability. I think this is our opportunity to make sure that we get out to our communication channels and partners that we're here when we want to help not only job seekers but business and industries. It's really hard now with a, an unemployment rate of 2.9 percent um, for employers to access talent as Kat and Jessica both said using the public workforce system is a great opportunity to access talent and maybe look at talent from our new American populations, our, our justice involved individuals, people that are in public assistance looking for opportunities to look at career paths. Um, so I, I think uh, now's a chance for business and industry to say hey I'm struggling with my talent uh, attraction. I'm going to call the Workforce Center and see how they can help me. To job seekers who really say, I don't have the resources or the know uh, at all uh, to access a, a good strategic investment in my upskilling, that's a good place to use a career coach and get, the, get to a place where that investment pays off. Great. Jessica, any 30-second thoughts from you on what excites you about this month? Yeah. Um, did you know September is also National Bourbon Heritage Month <laughs> in addition <laughs> to National Workforce Development and National Guide Dog Month? 
Um, and I think the national workforce development focus is really so important because workforce is something that we talk about in our communities and on a national scale on a daily basis. So, you know, every time a political candidate talks about growing more good jobs or every time a community pitches an affordable workforce housing initiative, we're talking about workforce. Um, so, you know, a, a good job is the key to a good quality of life. Um, and I think that because it's so foundational and so important to the fabric of our communities and the health of our state, um, it's an exciting thing to be able to highlight and to point out and talk about in a more direct and specific way because it's kind of always in the air, but it's not something we often have the opportunity to put a fine point to and talk about what are those strategies and those tactics to help make sure that the workforce is really vibrant and growing. Absolutely. Okay. What they said. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think for us, it's a great opportunity to highlight that our focus is really creating access to opportunity for both businesses and job seekers alike. And we love being able to spend September to be able to highlight that, even though we do it all year long. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's National Workforce Development Month. The public workforce system in Colorado is part of a national workforce development system as well. And nationally, there are more public workforce centers than there are Home Depot locations. And I think, honestly, if individuals who are looking for jobs, employers who are looking for talent, if they walk in those doors, if they pick up the phone, they're going to find the same great customer service as they would, if not better, than going into a Home Depot. And it really is the chance to create that infrastructure that drives a good quality of life and helps support communities throughout the state. Awesome. Great analogy. I like that. More than uh, There are more workforce centers than Home Depots, mm -hmm. uh, which is awesome. So if you're sitting there watching this, if you're sitting there listening to this, go ahead and find a workforce de development center. We'll get you started with the job today. Um, we're going to take a quick break here on Connect and Collaborate, so stay with us. You can find more information about what we're talking about in the description below here on our YouTube uh, page on our YouTube channel. You can find this podcast and more at cobrt.com slash radio dash podcast. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Now back to connect and collaborate voice of the Colorado business Roundtable on KDMT, Denver's Money Talk, 1690 AM. Welcome back to Connect and Collaborate. Once again, I'm Alex Hopkins, your on-air producer, and I am here with Lee Wheeler Berliner of the Colorado Workforce Development Council, and we are talking Workforce Development Month, uh, which is Joe Barella told us in the last segment that it is nationally the uh, the Workforce Development Month. It's not just a Colorado thing. Um, but yeah, fascinating conversation. Uh, we just also found out that there are more workforce development centers uh, than there are Home Depots, which is super exciting to know. Yeah. Absolutely. That one's, that's my new trivia fact. Now. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> I also learned today that McDonald's sells 75 hamburgers every second. What? So you can add that to your useless trivia facts. Thank you. Know. I will. <laughs> and to switch to useful information, um, we're joined again this segment with Kat Douglas from the Jefferson County um, Workforce Center and Jessica Volland from the Northwest Workforce Center as well. And so I want to pick up on something Joe mentioned in the last segment and that the, the businesses that can go to our workforce centers can get access to low-skilled workers, middle-skilled workers, and high-skilled workers. It is really just about any position they're looking for, you can get that support. And I don't 
don't know that that's necessarily what people always think of when they think of what are the services I can get from a workforce center. From you all's perspective, do you think people have misconceptions about workforce development, what it is that you do, what our system does, and if so, what are some of those myths that may be out there? Do you you I'll, I'll take that. You know, you know, my, my goal is that, you know, in, in the United States and not just in Colorado, we have so many uh, intersections where people think um, they're done with something. And so we go to high school, we graduate. We go to community college or college, we graduate. And, and no one tells them that work is a journey and it lasts <laughs> probably 50 years. And so I would love for the public workforce system to be that entity that helps someone navigate those 50 years of work. And we need to make sure that the public sees us as a resource. And so not only at times of job loss, but you know, they, we have a lot of professionals that are underemployed right now in Colorado. And so how can the workforce center system be beneficial to them as they think about upskilling? And, you know, people's resources to invest in upskilling are very limited. And the cost of education is so expensive right now, education and training. So the public's workforce system could be a resource for where is the best economical training for you? Or are there resources that can help you get through that upskilling so that we can help with your employability um, in, at any stage of your career? And so it's, and it's something that you can come back to. And we know that skills will be outlived or, or people's work will, outli will outlive their skills. And so they're going to have to make investments and it's going to have to be a personal investment as well as we hope a business and industry investment in their workforce. But I think we need to recondition people to say, um, I, I've never heard of anyone go back to their high school um, career counselor at 35 and say, hey, <laughs> I, it was great and I worked for 15 years, but now help me. So could we uh, make the public workforce system in Colorado be that conduit so that people feel like as they get through mid-career shifts or changes that there was a place that they can go to access opportunities and work? Just like business and industry can use the workforce center for low, middle, and high-skilled workers, uh, we want to make sure that the public workforce, system, the public job seeker, um, from from any of those categories, know that the public workforce system is here for them. Absolutely, well said, Joe. Jessica, from your perspective in Northwest Colorado, what do you see as essentially some of those myths about workforce development? Well, I still think we're working off the myth that we're the unemployment office. Um, that's what we were for a really long time, and so um, that historical memory has uh, died a slow death. Um, we, of course, work with people who are filing for unemployment or have been let go from work, so we're more than happy to engage with those customers. But um, Joe made a great point. You know, it's not just job loss that we interact with job seekers around. And when you have kind of that reputation of being the unemployment office, businesses often don't think that you're in their corner too, um, to help them out. And so you know, we've really been working very hard on making sure that um, our advocates in the community know exactly who we are and the full array of our services, because it tends to be other people that are the best messengers for our services. Um, but that one of being the unemployment office, that one's still sticking. Okay. So, Kat, your area includes Jefferson County, right on the west side of Denver, more of the suburb communities, um, perhaps little brother communities to Denver in some ways. <laughs> hey. But then also, <laughs> I, I, as a proud Jefferson County resident, <laughs> I mean, no ill will. Um, but then also Clear Creek and Gilpin counties have a different flavor. What are some of the challenges you see in the communities that you serve for right now? It does vary. Um, we have some very urban centers and more rural centers, and we try to really customize our approach to each one of those areas. Um, I think 
it's more specific perhaps to industry than it is necessarily each individual community. Um, and so we really target those industries. In some of our communities, it's casinos. And so their situation is going to be a little bit different. It's transportation is huge. And how mm. do they attract workers that are not necessarily living there? Um, and so it's supporting them with those efforts. And more of our urban centers, it's um, it's it's just finding qualified people. And so it's how can we take the talent that we've developed, and I think Joe coined a phrase years ago that I've held on to is untapped talent, which is really, there's a lot of talent still out there, and it's creating that access between businesses and those job seekers and developing those job seekers so that they meet those skill sets and those competencies that those businesses need. Mm -hmm. um, but across the board, that's kind of key is finding those qualified candidates right now in such, such a tight labor market. Gotcha. And Jessica, how many thousands of square miles do you cover again? <laughs> Roughly 20,000. 20,000. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful square miles. So <laughs> in that rural context, what are some of the challenges that make workforce development different in your part of the state? You know, one of the trickiest things for us is that we just, I mean, because we lack density, we also lack economic diversity. And so in most of our kind of labor shed areas, you'll have one, maybe two dominant industries that tend to employ most of the people in the area, and that's it. Um, and that poses different challenges. So whether that dominant industry is extraction or whether that dominant industry is hospitality and tourism, um, being kind of siloed in that respect, I think, puts some, um, uh, some challenges to the workforce. It also makes it trickier for businesses because they're so much more likely to be competing with each other because we don't have that diverse economic portfolio. And then, of course, from an economic development standpoint, there's a lot of inherent risk in putting all your eggs in one basket. And so, you know, when we do suffer those economic shocks of a recession, um, they're kind of weathered a little bit differently for us because we don't have that diversity to sort of, you know, kind of absorb the shock. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we talked earlier about the future of work, and I want to dig into that topic a little bit more. When you think about the challenges that businesses may be facing or employer uh, employees, individuals will be facing as the nature of work shifts, looking at the next 5, 10, and 15 years, what does that mean from the state's perspective? What are some of the things you're thinking about in your communities as well? You know, from the state perspective, you know, I, I, I was just in northwest Colorado, as I mentioned, and working with a group of concerned citizens, um, stakeholders, employers on the pending shift from fossil fuels, um, coal industry, uh, fire po power plants, as well as mining, to as that goes away as an industry, what uh, what is left in a community. And so from a workforce perspective, how do we replace those jobs or retrain those workers to stay in the community, but also some of them will leave the community, some of them will retire. But, you know, we're talking about really well-paying jobs, 90 and thousand a year and higher that really support spending and the community that it's built around those industries. And so when those go away, you're, you, there's a huge impact. And so how do you come together and figure out how do we replace this? What, what's going to happen? And in previous years, when we went through industry change and disruption, you know, it was very easy for people to relocate with a company. And so that option for our coal workers and our, our, our workforce, in our industry and extraction is disappearing as there's fewer and fewer of those opportunities because we're switching to a, a, a greener economy, which is a different skill set. And so, you know, the opportunity to move out of the community doesn't exist there with those opportunities. Just like when we went through from the agricultural revolution to the uh, uh, manufacturing and manufacturing information, a lot of people in rural communities that were uh, disrupted moved to the cities. Well, those jobs, because of technology, those middle 
skill jobs that um, w now can be automated or digitalization is taking over jobs, those jobs don't exist anymore. So as they're disappearing from rural communities, that pipeline into urban centers for that same type of job or skill shift is disappear disappearing as well. And so we really need to listen to communities. And Jessica said economic uh, diversification. And so in Colorado, where we have communities being in impacted by this, what are we doing to diversify the base of the economic stability? And so I know in Craig, Colorado, we've seen a tremendous jump in the healthcare system. And so an employer th uh, that had 200 employees maybe three years ago now has 425. And so how do we get people to support that industry and see that industry grow? And so, or what are opportunities in outdoor recreation or you know, right now we have a lot of companies and we're trying to explore as a state location neutral employment. And so do we have employers in the Denver metro area and Colorado Springs that are in the financial services industry, the IT industry, where they would be willing to support workers that work in rural communities because of technology. And so they offer a skill set or a value to their customers, but they don't have to actually be in the office that they can work from Craig, from uh, Rangely from Durango or wh what have you. So as a state, we're exploring opportunities to in encourage companies to look at that workforce. Awesome. Kat and Jessica, what are some of the responses and what are your organizations doing to help rise to these challenges? I think for us, we're approaching it from a little bit of what Joe's talking about and kind of an education and information piece with our school system and in our communities. In Jefferson County, we're fortunate that we have a very strong connection to our faith-based community, which also often happen to be employers, congregations are full, or full of business leaders. And so we engage with them frequently to help create this education opportunity so people are aware of some of these changes coming. And then how do we work together to support uh, what's going to happen in the future, but also be mindful of the challenges now. I mean, some of the challenges now are housing and childcare and um, all of those things that affect businesses now and job seekers now. So trying to balance all of that while keeping our eye on the future and how to best prepare our workforce for that. Um, education to me is key early on. Getting into our school districts, we have a great partnership with our school district and working with them very early on about how we make sure that all our school counselors and our teachers um, are informed about what's happening in the state of future of work and how they can be a part of that um, process. Great. Jessica. Yeah, I agree with Kat. Yeah, we, um, I think the education piece is really critical in thinking about, you know, where does that pipeline begin when it comes to preparing someone who is eventually going to enter the world of work. And so partnering with school systems um, is really important. We try wherever we go to lead with data in pointing out, um, you know, here are the numbers around what people experience anecdotally. Um, sometimes that means we're, you know, working against kind of the tyranny of a myth, but a lot of times I find the data helps support a broader conversation about, okay, what does it take for a workforce to be able to thrive? And that includes everything that Kat listed, you know, the childcare, the housing, the transportation, everything else, because lives don't happen in a vacuum. Um, it is a challenging time. Our average unemployment rate in my 10-county area as of July was 1.7%, and that's going into our busiest, busiest hiring season in October, getting ready for the snow to fly. Um, so it's a really tough time for employers, but I also think that there's so much opportunity in that space because people are really willing to get outside of the box and think about their strategy and approaches to finding employees and keeping them around um, in ways that I don't think that we would have seen four or five years ago. So, you know, we try to try to capitalize on that really challenging time and use that to be generative instead of discouraging. Got it. Very nice. So as we think about all that's going on, preparing for the future of work, implementing some of these things, 
you all have mentioned your role as conveners and connectors, and I've heard a, a litany of partners. It sounds like these are definitely issues that no one organization <coughs> can take on. Um, what are What's that full scope of the entities that you all partner with? I think for Jefferson County, I mean, it's everything from our state and federal partners, the Colorado Workforce Development Council. Um, more locally, it's our labor groups that are represented on our Workforce Development Board. It's our K-12 education system. It's community college, it's our, vo our vocational uh, education institutions. Um, again, it's faith-based. It's our uh, businesses, chambers, economic development partners. It really is anyone, which really is everyone, invested in some role of employment. Um, and so we open the doors to everybody. It's difficult, and I can't imagine Jessica's role but um, and how difficult it must be in her area. But for us, it's hard to access everybody, but it's creating that awareness that we're here and that we are there to partner with industry and everybody else to create um, a more seamless system. We see our usage of, of taxpayer dollars really critical and that we want to be efficient and effective with those. So that's kind of a driver for our um, purpose in collaborating and coordinating um, mm -hmm. with stakeholders. Great. Jessica, any differences for you? We have the same partners um, as Kat, although I, you know, to the extent that they exist, right? <laughs> like <laughs> some of these towns are really small, like you know, Walden. There's 500 people there, so you know, you're not going to find um, a, a ton of duplication. The nice thing about it is that you're likely to find one chamber, one economic <laughs> developer. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier because the scale is smaller. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think Kat said it, but I just want to mention the partnership that most of our local workforce boards and our workforce centers have with industry associations. And so, you know, a lot of what we want to do is bring it to scale. And so when we work with an association that represents a collective of employers in a certain industry, such as healthcare, such as financial services, uh, what we can do is, is, is tenfold. And so, you know, if XYZ company is having trouble finding this technician, Nine times out of 10, every uh, uh, employer in that industry is having the same hardship. And so when we can be responsive to the industry, we can scale solutions much faster and more efficiently. So when we go to a community college or a training provider said, could you produce more of these because we have a demand for them? Then there's opportunity to scale that and, and look at more than just meeting one employer's needs, but looking at hopefully the multiple employers in the industry, but look at long-term interventions and not just one-offs. Great. So what are you each excited about in the year ahead? He has a lot more to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, for us, it's really having an opportunity. I feel like in Jefferson County, we have a really strong network of people that are dedicated to this. Um, one of the partners we haven't mentioned is foundations. Foundations are very interested right now in economic mobility and seeing that progression for some of our lower income populations. And so playing a role in that, um, we're really excited to be a part of that, which it matches some of our resource um, challenges right now <laughs> with federal funding. Um, so we're really excited about that and to see some of our models with businesses um, enhance a little bit this year. I think I'm excited about, you know, the opportunity we have to, 
you know, first thing is, you know, the initiative with new Americans in Colorado. We have over 550,000 uh, immigrants and refugees in Colorado, and so that's 10% of our population, a good percentage of our workforce. Um, uh, their their earning potential uh, is about 12.9 billion, and so how can we, in times of workforce shortages throughout Colorado, take advantage of the tremendous asset new Americans offer to our workforce? And so, so many times when people choose Colorado as their new home, uh, they don't have enough access to resources or information to put them at a level playing field of what the what country they came from. And so, rather than starting at the very bottom of the pay scale or this uh, of the employment scale, can we put them to, uh, at equal of where they came from so that they have a chance to upskill and enter and contribute and afford to live in Colorado. And so we have a lot of work to do there and we're excited to do that. I think the opportunities that we have to deal with uh, the education sector um, through our initiatives and be responsive to the growing opportunities that we have in early childhood education uh, for our young young students. And we can't start early talking about skills and competencies, how important they are for their journey. And so how can we make sure that that industry pays well, but there are career pathways for our early education providers to be successful in education or any other path that may lead to but I think that there's some excitement for us to do that um, as Colorado converts to more green energy opportunities how can we make sure that we have talent pipelines that support that and that business and industry to hire and, and, and pay them well and offer opportunities in rural Colorado as well as in our metro areas so I think there's plenty of things to be excited about um, we um, will um, continually I think for the next several months be in a workforce shortage and so now's our opportunity to embrace um, uh, uh, our marginalized populations young people people with disabilities how do we make sure that the employer community sees those individuals as assets and what are the skills and competencies that their jobs require and let's make sure that those individuals can show they can do the job and get them into those career fields and that gives me a great chance to just plug October, which is National Disability Awareness Month. That'll yeah. be the theme. Um, we're having great partners coming from the State Rehabilitation Council and the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation to talk with you in October. Very well. exciting. So looking forward to that. But Jessica, other than the snow flying, which I'm excited about and to come visit <laughs> you in a few months, what are you excited about and looking forward to in the year ahead? You know, some of the most interesting things that are going on, I think, um, were born out of uh, the state legislature last year, which isn't necessarily always the case, but um, there were a couple of bills that passed that are going to have some pretty significant impacts on employers in the workplace, um, including um, the equal pay law and banning the box on job applications that's gone into effect. And so some changes for the private sector in particular in their hiring practices um, that uh, I think might shake things up a little bit in a way that could be interesting. And then another thing that's a big topic of conversation at where I am, which includes the highest cost of living in the state, um, counties like Pitkin, so Aspen, Summit County, Vail, um, is the conversation around the Local Area Minimum Wage Act that the legislature passed last year. We've got some communities, uh, county commissioners, that are taking a look at what it would mean to set the minimum wage locally higher than the state's level, which is going up to $12 an hour in January. And so, you know, at a minimum, those opportunities are creating some really fascinating conversations around, you know, what does it take to make it in these communities? What should workforce be able to earn and to command um, by way of wages? And so, you know, I think that those conversations are really good and really healthy, uh, regardless of where we land in the end. So those are some exciting things. And those are great points. And for any listeners out there who own your businesses, who are hiring, and you're unsure as to what these new laws may mean for your community, 
reach out to the Department of Labor and Employment, which is producing some statewide guidance, and connect with your local workforce center who can help you navigate what this means and support you locally as well. As we come to a close with this section um, and this show today, Alex, I, I just want to go back to this concept of myths and what people may or may not know about workforce development, what the public workforce system can offer. So what do you wish more businesses knew about workforce development here in the state of Colorado? I think they, I wish they knew more knew about us. We have businesses come to us all the time that have spent thousands on recruiting firms and not found the candidates that they were looking for, whether they're more mid-level or higher level or, or it, it, that's concerning to me because businesses have a bottom line and we often have a lot of talent that we can help match uh, to those opportunities. And usually in those situations, we're able to match them quickly. But I think it's just that awareness that we're there and that we're able to serve their unique needs um, and that there's a lot of opportunity out there. Great. Jessica? I'd agree with Kat 100%. Awesome. Joe, how about you from your perspective? You know, I, I think that, you know, I, I wish job seekers knew that, you know, if they are um, dealing with a job loss or dealing with a, uh, a job, the very first job, if they could reach out to the resources that the public workforce system offers in Colorado, that their chances of uh, meaningful employment and, or training that leads to meaningful employment. Uh, there, there are studies that are done through the, our local workforce boards and the state that the outcomes and the wage potential earnings for those uh, people who use the public workforce system are 15 to 25 percent greater than people who find a job on their own. And so I think when you work with the tools we have and more importantly the, the skilled and qualified coaches we have in our local workforce centers that really they take the time to know who you are, um, can provide uh, assessments and results on those assessments that lead to better outcomes and better plans for you. In the end the return on investment for that visit to a workforce center or using our resources means real money in your pocket and hopefully a career path that leads to a livable wage, if not immediately or in the near future because of the intervention that, that someone from uh, our, our local workforce centers spent with that job seeker. And so that in alone should encourage people to say, before I make this investment or before I consider a job search, maybe I should go and reach out to a professional that can help me uh, and steer me in a better direction than maybe the commercial I heard last night um, at 12 a.m. or this morning <laughs> at 9 a.m. Uh, and really think about what's best for me and what are the chances of me attaching to employment as a result of any investment I make. Okay. Yeah. Great. So during September and Workforce Development Month and every other month of the year, the public <laughs> workforce system is here to serve and to support job seekers and businesses. Some of the events taking place this month, there's a government job fair on September 10th. In Greeley, they have an event called Seven Steps to Getting the Job You Want, focused on job seekers. In Denver, they have the Path to Payday Job Fair coming up on September 18th. And there are, there are a host of resources, a list of all these events on online at coworkforce.gov. And so that's where individuals can go to get a little more information about what's happening in September. And through coworkforce.gov, through the coworkforcecouncil.gov, um, you can get information on the public workforce system. And we always are looking for Involvement. As Joe, Kat, and Jessica have indicated, we need business leaders to participate in local workforce boards to help shape how services look for your communities and to ensure that we're supporting economic vitality throughout the state of Colorado.
Yes, thank you all so very much for your time today. This was a great conversation. Uh, as you know, we, we talk a lot about business and you can't have business without employees, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you very much for all that knowledge. And again, visit coworkforce.gov for more information about the events that are taking place throughout Colorado uh, to celebrate uh, Workforce Development Month. And once again, please like and subscribe our YouTube page while you're here. You can find this podcast and more at cobrt.com slash radio dash podcasts. Have a wonderful day, you guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Alex. You.